The series is Shattering Strongholds, and we are putting in our third installment of it. And I pray that you are starting to see your strongholds crack in some places. These things aren't immovable objects. Nothing is impossible for our God. So that means with Him, all things are possible, including the shattering of any strongholds in your life. Back to 2 Corinthians chapter 10, one more time this week. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, and I'm only going to concentrate on verse 5 tonight, which says this, we destroy arguments in every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to obey Christ. I want to hopefully teach you some things out of the construct of mind games tonight. Probably the most important piece of ground the enemy wants to gain control of is in your mind. And the reason for that is, is because if you have been born again, then as a true child of God, he has lost your heart. But he can still manipulate your mind. One of my all-time favorite old school computer games is Minesweeper. And when I was a kid, I really had no idea how to play the game in the proper way, so I would just pull up the program, and I would just go to clicking random blocks and hoping that I wouldn't click on one that was a bomb and end up getting blown up. I had no idea when I was young that the numbers in the blocks actually mean something. I had no idea that there was actually any strategy involved whatsoever. So when I was a kid, I thought, this is the most impossible game anybody has ever come up with. I mean, I couldn't beat the easy level, you know, the little tiny one. And they had like the advanced and the expert, and it was like massive. I was like, there is no way anybody can possibly win at this game. It's impossible. It cannot happen because every time I would try over and over and over again, I would inevitably click on a box that had a bomb underneath it. You know, they actually, in the program, I don't know if any of y'all ever figured this out or not, but it would like keep up with your game stats. So it would have like, you know, your wins and your losses and your winning percentage and all that stuff. Mine was always zero. Zero wins. Never won as a kid. Because I didn't know how to play. Hear me say this one more time tonight. There is a real spiritual battle taking place. And that battle includes your mind. The enemy wants control of it. He loves to play games with our minds, especially when it comes to holding strongholds in place. And most of us, I think, are like me as a kid playing Minesweeper. We don't know how to play back. We don't know that there's actually a strategy involved. And so what we do is we go day by day just hoping that we don't click on a thought that will end up blowing up in our minds. We've got to learn how to beat the devil at his mind games that he's playing because it is a significant step towards shattering a stronghold that he wants to keep set up in your life. But as we look at what's happening to Paul specifically in the context of this passage, we see that he's being attacked personally. They're calling him a fraud. 
They're calling him a phony. They're questioning his purpose. They're questioning the validity of his calling and who he says that he is. And in the midst of that, he wants to talk about his thought life. Now, I find that somewhat of an intriguing thing because most of the time for us, the natural reaction is when somebody talks about us to do what? To flip it around and start talking about them. So you would think as these people are talking about Paul, as they're challenging his character, as they're challenging his integrity, as they're challenging his calling and his purpose, you think he would respond back to their challenges. To get kind of in a word battle with them over what the truth actually is, but he wants to talk about thoughts in the midst of this. And I can't help but wonder, why is that? Why would he want to talk about thoughts when everybody else is talking about him. Let me just say this. I'm not going to go any further than this. It will do you no good ever to get in a shouting match with the enemy. It will never work out in your favor and it accomplishes nothing. And so Paul begins to talk about his thought life in the midst of people talking about him. Why? Because he knew the potential these words had to wreak havoc on him mentally, which would then also wreak havoc on him eventually physically if he began to believe the words that they were saying were true about him. Our enemy knows, listen, our enemy knows that what we think directly influences how we live. And so that's why he plays the game. If he can influence how you think, he can influence how you live. And so we got to learn how to play the game back. How do we tip things back in our favor? I'm going to give you some keys to playing the devil's mind games, but playing them better. So the first tip is to do something that I call activating voice ID. You've got to activate voice ID in your life. And before we dig any further into this, I want to make a statement that may sound silly, but I mean it with all seriousness. You're not crazy. You're not crazy. Those voices that you hear, and I do mean voices, and please don't get weirded out by this. I know like when we talk about demonic type influences and those kind of things that people kind of get squirmy about it. Because deep down we really don't want to think that the enemy is that powerful and that he can have those kind of influences. But listen to me. I saw something today that I thought was a great descriptive of how he works. It was somebody who had placed a caption on a post that they had made, and they said that the greatest trick the devil ever pulled was convincing the world he didn't exist. And that's so true. And so as we talk about this tonight, listen, the mind games are already going right now. The moment I began to talk about these things, the moment he went to work saying, oh, this is a bunch of craziness. You don't need to listen to any of that. What is Trey talking about? He's pulling all this stuff out. That's a bunch of, that's a bunch of gook. That's not real. That's not legit. 100% it is. Those voices that you hear, they are real. Those wicked thoughts that you battle, they are real. Those suicidal thoughts that get placed in your mind, they are real real. Those whispers that say that you're inadequate, that you're inferior, that you're pathetic, that you're worthless, that you're broken, that you'll never be loved, that God will never ever forgive you or use you. All those things are real. Now the world will tell you that you've got a chemical imbalance. Here's some pills and some therapy. We'll get you better. And I understand there are legitimate, real mental diseases that exist. 
But when it gets to going on in between here, it goes so much further than just a chemical imbalance. There is a spiritual demonic force inside to this that plays on a whole nother level than just a medical diagnosis. If you have inner turmoil going on inside your head, that does not mean that you're crazy. It just means that you're involved in the battle. And you're not the only one. One of the wildest things to me about how far we have advanced technologically is the fact that our phones have face ID. Now, I know that may not be too big of a deal to y'all, but like when I was a kid watching Bugs Bunny growing up, and they had the little cartoons, they had like this, they called it, it was the house of tomorrow, and it had like all these automated robotic vacuums and stuff that, that went on, and you thought like, that's ridiculous, and now we actually have those things. Like I have a robot vacuum in my house right now. Like it, that was before, Bugs Bunny was before his time, all right? Like that, they, they, they prophesied some stuff in Bugs Bunny that we had no idea was actually going to come to pass, and now here it is. And so one of the wildest things about all this in the modern day age that we live in is the fact that our phones have face ID. And I remember when I upgraded my phone, <laughs> the most recent one I had was a 7, so it had been a minute. Now I've got, what is it, the 13? Is that what it is? Babe, I think that's what it is, the 13? I'm pretty sure. Have we gotten that high yet? I think so. Anyway, I didn't know that. I didn't have face ID on my 7. I was still using the whole thumbprint thing. So I get this phone, and it's telling me to set up my facial ID, and it's making me do it all around my face and stuff like that, so it gets all the facial features. And, and why do we have it? It's a safety net, right? It's so not just anybody can pick up your device and access it. That phone is programmed to recognize just your face and its features to then give you access to what's kept on the inside of it. In the same sense, when it comes to protecting our minds and attacking our strongholds, we can activate voice ID. It's what we use to identify the features of the different voices that want to penetrate your mind that we oftentimes hear. Because, listen, oh, man, please, Lord, help me to get this across the way you want it told. Not just anybody should be allowed access to your mind. And yet I feel like so many of us have made it too easily accessible to voices that don't need to be let in. But the good news is, is that, that God gives us this built-in voice ID. And we can put that in place and use it to our advantage. Have you ever had a thought that seemed random and then wonder afterwards, where in the world did that come from? Well, that's a good place to start with voice ID. We've got to learn how to identify the source of what is being spoken into our lives. And when it comes to confronting strongholds, there are three voices that will show up in the midst of that. The first voice is the voice of the flesh. So our flesh belongs to our old nature that used to exist before we became new creations in Christ. And we can recognize this voice in a couple of different ways. So when our stronghold is being confronted, the flesh will always make a defense. I'll say it again. When our strongholds are being confronted, the flesh will always make a defense. And it will do so in a few different ways that are actually recognized by 
most psychologists and psychiatrists amongst people in the way in which they respond when confronted with something that they don't want to deal with. So one of the ways the flesh will respond is through denial. It's a refusal to face the truth. And all these things that I'm going to talk about in this list, they're what we would define as defense mechanisms. It's the flesh trying to protect itself, in other words. And so when we confront our strongholds and we don't like the confrontation of it, the flesh will speak up in denial, which is a refusal to face the truth of what has actually become a problem and an issue in our lives. It will also show up in the form of insulation, which is essentially withdrawal. So if it feels like denial isn't getting the job done, then it will withdraw. It will try to remove itself away from the situation. It will also show up as displacement. So if your flesh feels like denial isn't getting the job done, or insulation or withdrawal isn't getting the job done, then it will go to displacement, which is lashing out. And so when the confrontation takes place, if we don't want to own up to it, or if our flesh does not want to own up to it, it will lash out on anything and anybody that is a part of the confrontation. Hey, listen, including God. Displacement. The flesh will also use projection, which is the blame game. So if the flesh doesn't like the confrontation that is taking place over the stronghold that is existing in our lives, it will then revert to projection, which is to blame anything and anybody else around us for why that thing exists in our lives. And some of these are probably sounding familiar to you because you know, because you've worked your way through these things. When the confrontation takes place and we begin to look at the ugliness or the difficulty of whatever the stronghold is, we get to a point of projection where we want to start blaming somebody else for why that stronghold is there. And they may have had a role in helping build it. But listen to me. We're responsible for finishing the project. And if that doesn't work, then it will move on most times to what is the last phase, which is rationalizing or making excuses. Defense mechanisms is how the flesh will speak. But there's one other way. There's one other subtlety the flesh will use as a voice. The flesh is always against the spirit. So an easy way to identify the voice of your flesh is if it is against the Spirit of God. Galatians 5.17 says this, For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. The voice of the flesh. The second voice is the voice of the enemy. Listen, I'm going to say something that you may have never heard before in your life, and you may question it at first and think it sounds absurd, but it's backed by Scripture. The enemy, our enemy, our adversary, he does have the power to place thoughts in your mind. 100%. But let me finish that thought. He does not have the power to make us carry them out. The trick for him in this is that his power is in his placement. He can place a thought, but he cannot make you carry it out. And so his power in this is in his placement of it. And so he's crafty, and he's cunning, and he's always scheming. And so what he does is that he looks for the perfect 
opportunity in which to place the thought. It's when you're struggling. It's when you're tired. It's when you're exhausted. It's when you just come off of a crisis. It's when you're full of doubt and questions and uncertainty. That's when he'll show up and he'll place a thought. Remember, he can't make you carry it out. But he can place it in prime position. And Scripture backs this. And I'm going to give you some references that you can read through on your own sometime. But in 2 Samuel chapter 24, we said that the devil incited King David to take a census of how many soldiers that he had before going into battle. And you may think, well, that's not such a bad thing. Other than it caused David to doubt and trust that God would take care of them and that he would fight the battle for them. So the devil incited David to take a census. Why? Because he knew then it would reflect a lack of trust and dependence upon God to go and fight the battles for them. When Judas betrayed Jesus in Luke chapter 22, it says that the devil entered in to Judas. He placed it upon his mind to go and betray Jesus. Now, the devil didn't force Judas to betray Jesus, but he placed the thought there. He placed the idea there, and at the right time, it says, at the right time, Judas went and handed Jesus over. I told you his power is in his placement. At the right time, thought placement, Judas went and he betrayed Jesus. In the same chapter, Peter denies Jesus. And before doing so, Jesus says to Peter, Peter, Satan has asked to sift you, but I've prayed for you. But he still placed the thought. Hey, you're that guy that was with Jesus, right? <laughs> Placement. No, no, I don't know who you're talking about. Mm -mm, wasn't me. No, 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 I've seen you with him. I've seen you. You were with the Nazarene. I know you're, you're one of them. Placement. No, I, I promise you, I don't, I don't know who that guy is. He put it in his mind. So when we confront our stronghold, how do we recognize the voice of the enemy? A couple of different ways. Number one, his voice always comes in the form of lies. John chapter 8, verse 44, Jesus says this, describing the devil. He says, he was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks out of his own character. For he is a liar and the father of lies. The voice of the enemy is always counter God. Whatever God is, he is the opposite of that thing. If God is truth, then he is lies. If God is holy, then he is unholy. If God is righteous, then he is unrighteous. So we recognize his voice because it always shows up being the counter of who God in his character and in his truth is. And the thing about the devil is, is that he wants you to believe that in your stronghold, whatever it may be, whether it be an addiction to pornography, whether it be an eating disorder, whether it be depressive or suicidal tendencies, he wants you to believe that is who you really are and that is who you will always be. His voice, let me give you some characteristics of his voice. Because characteristics are, are always key in voice identification. 
Every single one of you in this room are tuned to the characteristics of the voices that you have grown up around, whether you realize it or not. That's why in a crowd of a thousand people, most of you could pick out the voice of your father or your mother if all they did was speak your name. You are tuned to recognize the characteristics of the people that you spend the most time around and have influence over your life. And so the devil wants to become that voice of recognition for you. And so his voice has these characteristics. Number one, he always shouts. He is always yelling at the top of his lungs. Well, what is he yelling? He's yelling condemnation. He's yelling shame. He's yelling guilt. And he's yelling accusation over and over and over and over and over again. That's his voice. That's what it sounds like. But then there's the voice of the Spirit. The Spirit always speaks what is true in love, even when it confronts a stronghold. God's voice, when he speaks it into your life, in the context of your stronghold, will speak the truth to you, even if it is a painful truth, but he will do so in a loving way. And this is key, because we need to be able to identify his voice. We can identify his voice because he speaks conviction not condemnation. Remember, I told you the, the enemy and the spirit are opposite. The devil is counter God, whatever he is. So God speaks conviction, not condemnation when it comes to dealing with our strongholds. He does not flood us with shame and guilt over our shortcomings. He is not an accuser. Listen, he is an advocate. And where our enemy wants to shout, spirit always seems to whisper. So many times throughout Scripture, we see the voice of God come in the form of a whisper. And that's how it should be for those of us that have a relationship with Him. Why? Because you don't have to scream at somebody that you're standing right next to. We are filled with and indwelled with the Holy Spirit of God. And he whispers when he speaks. He doesn't scream. He doesn't shout. Have you ever noticed that the only time volume gets overwhelming in our minds is when it's too loud? It's exactly what the enemy wants to do. He wants to scream and yell and shout for as long and as prolonged of a time as he can so he can get you doing this, yet the volume never goes down. And eventually you snap. But the Spirit, He whispers. Learn to hear His whisper. Learning the source of the voice is key to shutting down the mind games. Second thing to shutting down the mind games, you've got to be the catcher instead of the captive. So Paul says that he takes every thought captive. That means diagnosing each thought that enters our mind to see if it aligns with Christ. So let me ask you a question. Are you taking your thoughts captive or are you being held captive by your thoughts? For a lot of us, when it comes to battling a stronghold, it's probably the latter. A lot of us are held captive by the lies. A lot of us are held captive by the hopelessness of another defeat. A lot of us are held captive by the disparity of isolation and thinking that we're all alone in this battle and in this struggle. And that's because we've been fooled into thinking that we are helplessly stuck in some Jesus versus the devil tug of war. I don't know how, any, how many of y'all remember this, but when I was a kid, I had a stretch Armstrong. Does anybody in this room... Know who Stretch Armstrong is. Please, thank God, 
Some of you have an idea of who Stretch Armstrong is. Yeah, Stretch Armstrong was this rubbery plastic dude that you could grab the hands and legs and you could pull him like a mile across. And then he would eventually, after you let go, pull himself back together. I used to love that toy. He really didn't do anything else. There was nothing fantastic about him, but it was just fun to stretch the dude as far as you could and then watch him go back into shape. A lot of us feel like that's what we're like between Jesus and the devil. Now, we're just some stretch Armstrong stuck in between the two of them in some cosmic spiritual battle, and we really have no say or authority or power in the struggle. We're just being tugged back and forth by both of the different sides, and eventually somebody will lose their grip, we'll pop loose, we'll kind of fold back into shape, and then life will go on. That's not it at all. Not one bit. The truth is that for those of us in Christ, we are no longer just powerlessly sitting under the oppression of the enemy. You're not powerless in this battle. And furthermore, I feel like this has played into this as well as the fact that our enemy has, excuse me, our world has perpetuated this victim mentality that we have transferred into our spiritual walk that constantly leaves believers not walking in victory, not walking in confidence, not walking in boldness, but constantly just moping around, just, oh, woe is me. My life sucks. I'm going through such a terrible time. You know what weighs you down? You know what makes you mope and drag around? Chains. And we bring this into our spiritual life when that's not the truth of the matter whatsoever. Listen, men and women of God, Jesus has given us authority in his name to trample the enemy when he comes against us. Luke chapter 10, verses 17 and 20, Jesus has sent out disciples to go and preach the gospel. And they come back, and this is what they say. They say, the 72 return with joy, saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. And he said to them, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Behold, I have given you authority to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall hurt you. Nevertheless, do not rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. That doesn't sound like somebody who's just stuck helplessly in the midst of the battle. That sounds like somebody who has been pulled out from underneath the oppression of the enemy and in Jesus' name set above him and given that authority and given that power to trample over his lies and his deception every time he wants to bring them into your life. This is good news. Are y'all hearing this? You have power and authority in the name of Jesus to trample over the lies and the voices of the enemy. You don't have to tolerate it. When he wants to pelt your mind with fiery darts, you don't have to tolerate it. You don't have to stand there and just take it. I want to show you a simple way to capture your thoughts. And I'm going to need y'all to get a little bit more excited about it. Personally, we're trying to unlock chains of the brain in here tonight, and this is good news. I want to show you how to capture your thoughts, and this is going to be so transformative for some of you. Here, some of you have heard this here before. You've been around this church long enough, you've heard this. You've heard it from me, at least. We call it the truth test, and it's found in Philippians 4 8, which says this Finally, brothers, Whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. So any and every thought that you encounter, catch it. 
and then put it to the truth and ask, is it true? Is it honorable? Is it just? Is it pure? Is it lovely? Is it commendable? Is it excellent? Is it worthy of praise? If the answer is no to any of those things, it's what we then call a tossed thought. And you need to throw it out. So when the enemy wants to tell you that you're worthless, toss it. When the enemy wants to tell you that you're pathetic, toss it. When the enemy wants to tell you that you're unloved, toss it. When the enemy wants to tell you you're too broken, toss it. When the enemy wants to tell you you can never be used, toss it. When the enemy wants to tell you that you're inadequate, toss it. When the enemy wants to tell you that you're a mistake, toss it. When the enemy wants to tell you you're condemned, toss it. Grab somebody beside you and shake them and tell them to toss it. You've got to toss it, toss it, toss it, and then listen to me. Then you've got to truth it. You've got to truth it after you toss it. So the enemy says worthless, but God says valued. The enemy says pathetic, but God says empowered. The enemy says unloved, but God says loved. The enemy says broken, but God says restored. The enemy says unusable, but God says purposed. The enemy says inadequate, but God says sufficient. The enemy says mistake, God says masterpiece. The enemy says condemned, God says forgiven. Be the catcher of your thoughts, not the captive of your thoughts. You do that and it will shut down the mind games the enemy wants to play. One last tip. How are we going to win? How are we going to win? It really comes down to this. We win by choice. Now let me explain what I mean. The end game to the enemy's mind games is the ability that we have through Jesus to make a choice. So let's do a little participation exercise. When you came in tonight, you got a little sliver of paper. If you didn't get one, ask somebody for one around you. I need you to take that paper. I need you to grab something to write with. If you don't have anything, you can borrow something from somebody around you. And on one side, here's what we're going to do. I'm going to give you a couple of options. And I want you to make a choice. And whatever choice you make, I want you to write that choice down. Everybody understand the instructions? It's very simple. I give you a choice. You make the choice. You write the choice down. All right, are we ready? Car or SUV? Chinese or Mexican? New or used? Walmart or Sam's? Mac or PC? iPhone or Droid? Valentine's Day is coming up, so roses or daffodils? Mountain Dew or Dr. Pepper? One more. Pizza or pasta? All right, so 
here's what I want you to do now. I want you to take that same sheet of paper and I want you to flip it over. So two options, you made a choice, one or the other. You wrote that choice down. I want to give you a different set of options. And once again, I want you to make a choice of which you would rather have or be. And I want you to write it down. Broken or restored? Abandoned or adopted? Condemned or forgiven? Worthless or valued? Hated or loved? Wicked or righteous? Sinner or saint? Defeated or victorious? Here's what I'm trying to help you guys see. You make the choice. Jesus has already declared but you get to decide. And I would venture to guess on the second list which ones you chose. And so here's what I want you to do. Remember the, the first week we kicked off this series, I had you write down your stronghold. I had you write down your chain on a piece of paper. I didn't want you to show it to anybody, and at the end, we wadded those things up in our fists, and we prayed that God would bring them down. When it was over with, we trashed them. I want you to keep this paper, and I want you to put it somewhere where you can see it each and every day so that it can serve as a reminder that I have the ability today to choose to be someone who is restored Adopted, forgiven, valued, loved, righteous, saintly, and victorious each and every day. The Bible tells us, actually Paul, right into the same church, would later go on to say that each and every one of us have been given the mind of Christ. Take that list, think on that this week. And when the devil wants to show up and play mind games, remind him of who you are in Christ. And don't let him have access to what he doesn't own. Hey, this is Trey Mitchell, college and young adult pastor. I just wanted to say thank you for listening. It's our prayer that God uses these messages in a way that challenge and encourage you to live for his glory. If you've never placed your faith in Jesus as your savior, we would love to help you with making that decision. Just reach out to us through our webpage at underwoodbaptist.org. Be sure to check back in with us next week as we again encounter God through His Word here at Life.